Welcome to Street Knowledge with Chris Graham. Welcome to the show. It's Tuesday. We're going to talk some NASCAR here with Rod Mullins, who covers NASCAR for us at Augusta Free Press. And Rod, let's start actually with some off-the-track news, uh, some unofficial talk about the 2024 schedule. Here we are in June. We're halfway through 2023, but we got our eyes a little bit on 2024. What's the latest there? Well, there's some surprises, and one that definitely is going to stand out with you as much as it stands out with me is there may not be a Bristol race in the spring this year or coming up in 2024. I'm a little bit surprised by that. Uh, it appears that NASCAR is looking to return to the Circuit of the Americas next season, but there are many questions that are still out there ahead to next year's schedule. Uh, Speedway Motorsports rents, uh, rents the track to NASCAR to host NASCAR at the Austin, Texas road course. There's an option there to hold the event in 2024. That's the talk there of that particular uh, story. But here's the big one. Uh, Jordan Bianchi, who writes for The Athletic, has reported that the Bristol dirt race is over. It's done. 2024, there won't be one. One possible scenario has it that the spring race at Bristol may be moved now to, of all places, North Wilkesboro. And why not? I mean, with them uh, sinking that much, millions of dollars in to renovate that track and then have it ready for the all-star race, why not have it host a, a race? And that's that was the plan all along by Marcus Smith and Speedway Motorsports to get a North Wilkesboro back on the track. Now, if that happens, there's going to be a lot of movement from some people, I think, in the in the in the in the ranks, however you want to call it, that they'll try to get Rockingham back before it's over with. And then we won't really miss out on that true Southern tradition of racing, if you want to call it that, because those are tracks that have been off the circuit for quite a while. But, uh, you know, the um, they're planning on a reconfiguration of Auto Club Speedway, and the big one is NASCAR is considering a return to Canada next year. Now, the talk is it's not going to be just an Xfinity race. It's going to be a cup race, and it's going to be a road course and so you know that's some of the big news that's coming out right now uh they have stated an interest in releasing next year's schedules in august but that's what's being talked about right now on the board that bristol won't have a spring race uh, coming up next year that they'll simply move it to north wilkesboro and a lot of other changes probably taking place not to not to mention also Chicago, they'll be back again for another road course uh, there on the street course, I should say, uh, for next year. And I think they had the option on that through 2025, but Chicago just re uh, just elected a new mayor there in the city. So uh, possibility it may take them to 2027 if they are able to play their cards right. Not to mention, where does Nashville come into this whole thing? Even though they're running at Nashville Super Speedway, which is outside of Nashville, the fairgrounds uh, racetrack uh, in Tennessee and Nashville is being talked about now. Uh, the people are really getting behind it. Uh, There's so many things that they want to see done with it and so forth. Uh, we may see a race at Nashville before it's over with and where it's going to figure in for Bristol having another spring race, or will it be gone completely off the schedule? That remains to be seen. You know, another factor, since we're talking schedule, um, not just the racetracks that are going to be on the schedule for 2024, but there's also a lot of talk behind the scenes about TV coverage, uh, TV network, etc. cetera. Uh, ESPN was rumored to be interested in getting back into the NASCAR business, but 
there it looks like that's cooled down. Um, but what I'm seeing is a lot of discussion about, in addition to Fox and NBC, which are expected to come back next year and and do their split, that NASCAR is looking at uh, going um, um, digital there for for uh, several mm-hmm. races, basically uh, going maybe the Amazon route. Um, you know, I will say this as someone who um, uh, you know watches, especially baseball and baseball, and, and actually NFL has gone to Amazon with Thursday night games. Um, but you know, your when your favorite baseball team or your favorite NFL team uh is is stuck on Amazon and you have to either subscribe or even just even if the game is there for free, at least one game is there for free, you have to log on, it takes a little bit of time, you gotta set up an account, all that kind of stuff. It can be a challenge, it can also be very frustrating to do that. And you know, I mean, what I'm seeing is it looks like NASCAR is discussing giving a a several race package to a streaming service like an Amazon. I don't know. I think this could turn some people off. Yeah, it could. I, you know, I've got a feeling that it probably could turn some people off about this because I think early on, at least back when the talk was pay-per-view back, you know, in the nineties and early two thousands, when they were doing this and experimenting with it, NASCAR said steadfastly, they would not be a pay-per-view service. They didn't want to be, but unfortunately when you go and you watch races on ESPN, you're kind of paying to watch this stuff. I mean, you're paying it through your cable bills, what you're doing. And ESPN has been upping the rate. It seems like year after year after year. And, uh, are we really getting anything out of it from ESPN? Um, you know, NASCAR, I don't, I don't know. NASCAR has kind of been funny about going back to ESPN because you have some of the the old order that used to be there of course bob jenkins he's now passed away you don't have him to be able to do any kind of uh race coverage or anything like that you uh had alan bestwick at one time he was with mrn also with abc came to nbc he's kind of like been a veteran journeyman all around uh covering races and so forth uh, but yeah, there's that talk uh, that um, ESPN at one time wanted it, but NASCAR not too receptive of it. And I guess because of a couple of things that's happened down the line over the last few years about how ESPN has regarded NASCAR or still regard it and call it a redneck sort of sport is the way they kind of refer to it, or that it has been referred to in certain channels. And NASCAR trying to break that redneck uh, sort of, uh, I think, uh, tag that's been placed on it. It's going to take a long time here in the United States, but hey, it seems to be uh, really catching on over in Europe, which I'll talk a little bit more about that with Le Mans this past weekend. But um, as for the Amazon deal, that's what they're talking about. Maybe a four or five race stretch, maybe six, something like that. Sort of like what they did with TNT here several years ago. And they want to put that, maybe have some of the um, the uh, coverage of the announcers and so forth kind of come over and do a little bit if they can work something out. Uh, but I don't, I don't know if that's going to fly or not. I, I'm just like you. I think there's, there's some people at this, at this point that says, okay, now I think you've gone a little bit too far. We can still watch NBC. We can still watch USA and we can still watch some of these networks. that's under Peacock, the NBC brand. And then Fox, of course, have has FS1 and they have FS2 also. But um, I, I think there's going to be some there's going to be some pullback resistance on it. There's going to have to be some sort of I don't know gift 
gift put in the hand or something for NASCAR to change their mind on possibly going with this because not everybody has Amazon or Amazon Prime for being able to watch things like this. So it's and Amazon's going up in price too. It's it, it went up this past year. I don't know where we're going to be at here in another year or two after that, but yeah, they need to really seriously consider where they're going with this. Uh, if this sport is going to improve, I'll tell you another one that suffered by going the pay-per-view route formula one, and that's huge over Europe and everything, but that's, that's where one thing's going to happen with it. I, I think they're going to look at the formula one thing that what happened with pay-per-view and things. Some people love it. Some people just hate it. So that's where we stand with it. I would say, you know, my experience with streaming live events, live sports events has not been good because I mean, I've, I've got the best internet I can possibly have. I live right. in, a, in an urban area and, and I've got high speed internet and still when I watch Peacock, for example, or the Amazon games on either MLB or NFL, there are issues. Um, it's just, yeah. it's just a fact of life. And, and then you're paying extra f- to have those issues. And, uh, you know, again, the logins and all that kind of stuff. If, if all you're watching it for is for a few NASCAR races a year or a couple of baseball games a year or a few NFL games a year, you know, if you don't log in all the time, you, yeah. sometimes you get those weird prompts that can just be annoying more than anything else. Now, another factor, you know, from the business standpoint, that's the consumer standpoint, right. from the business standpoint, if you're a NASCAR team, you're out there, you know, you're, you're getting your sponsors, you get all your decals on the car, you know, your drivers are, are ready to start talking about the, the Coca-Cola Chevy and everything else. If, if, if there's less people watching even just a few races a year, uh, because you have to presume that if it's, if it's on Amazon, there's not going to have as much, viewership as it would have on fox or nbc is there an impact on the bottom line for the teams because hey there's less eyeballs for four or five or six races yeah and that goes into this thing of what we've been talking about too this union unionization so to speak denny hamlin being involved with the drivers and so forth and this like collective bargaining agreement that these teams have to have a little bit more money you know excuse me they have to have a little bit more of a cut out of this whole thing uh especially from the tv deals uh they're going to have to have something out of that uh, that is at least going to translate into money in their pocket to where they don't run race after race begging to try to get somebody on the car and stuff as a primary sponsor they're going to have to have that exposure so um yeah that's the bottom line with it right there uh being able to be seen uh you know we we've thrown it out now it's not accepted anymore it used to be win on sunday uh sell on monday is what it used to be about the car dealership thing well that's kind of been thrown out now that there's no there's no beginning to that there's there's really an ending that took place and that was really when the economy uh kind of booted and went out of shape probably about the mid 2000s and something like that and nascar was struggling to get sponsors in uh they've got to do something that's going to be at least good money coming in to where these teams can justify being able to pay what they've got to pay also to be able to keep the playing field even for all the teams across the board. So uh, let's skip ahead. Well, we'll talk about this past Sunday's uh, cup series race in a second, but you mentioned Le Mans. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was this past weekend um, and the 100th year, uh, the centennial running of the, of the 24 hours race. Uh, talk about that and, uh, and what some of the highlights were from Le Mans. Well, the, the highlights were that um, NASCAR's Camaro, 
ZL1 uh, dwarfed all the other cars that were out there on the track. I don't know if you saw one of those pictures that one of the news services had taken. Here you see this big hulking Camaro, but still looks good with all the curves and everything. And then you've got all these sporty looking European cars that are just, you know, going around the going around there on the course and here's this big Camaro sitting there and it's just like wow you know it's it's kind of like NASCAR has come to Le Mans and it's has all been the brain project of Jim France with the France family and he this is only the second time NASCAR has done it they did it back in 76 and they put a uh, I think it was a Mercury Cougar out on the track then at that point but this time around they got with Rick Hendrick they car 56 garage is what they called it put it together and they took it to Le Mans they finished 39th which is not bad considering it's their first race in probably 50 years but um hey Jimmy Johnson said some positive things out of this there are some rumblings that if the response was so good this time around if they run again next year for example where is that going to put NASCAR? NASCAR may be getting ready to travel on a more foreign soil, not just in Canada and Quebec or any, any place like that. They're talking international. And if that happens, NASCAR will truly leave the Southern roots and they will be an international sport. And, and to me, it's almost like, okay, you have found a kink in formula one's armor and whatever that might be. You've got a couple of drivers right now that have split from Formula One, and I think the the guy's name that's very popular over in Europe is uh, Lewis Hamilton, and there have been people that have been linking him to possibly coming to NASCAR within a couple of, hey, what about the Japanese driver that's going to ra race at Indy? Uh, they've got a Japanese driver that's uh, going to race specifically at Indy, and he has race these uh, race cars or these road course cars before and they've got him coming to that we're truly starting to see an international flavor come to this thing and jimmy johnson said it was just unreal going through the streets and meeting up with the people and the people were just you know so nice and everything but i don't think some of the uh, other cars and some of the other owners were very happy with nascar because uh, chad canal said quote i think we pissed some people off <laughs> and uh i think when that happened uh some of them were like you know well you're coming in here you're the young guy out of this you do what we tell you to do but canals had a great point out of it he said we didn't come here to just show off and just to race down the the road course or whatever we came here to race and that's what we're going to do and they may be out there in their smaller cars so be it but we're going to race and that's what they did and i think they surprised some people they had some technical issues late, like in the 19th hour, I think it was, but they were running top 10 until then. And, uh, um, you know, you talk about the inter internationalization of, of potential internationalization of NASCAR. I mean, I'm thinking back uh, as, as a, a pro basketball fan, NBA fan, you know, we're, we're 30 years now past when the dream team played in the 1992 Olympics. Right. And you think about what that's done to basketball in the United States, but worldwide. You know, bringing all the basketball, you know, the European flavor has now impacted NBA basketball in the United States and vice versa. You know, the United States is, has kind of spread the world, uh, spread basketball globally. If we can, you know, somehow get some of these best drivers from uh, other circuits worldwide to uh, to be part of NASCAR, um, you know, you can you can really see, you know, there, there's lots of money in, in, in American racing. And if we can if we can, you know, get the attention on NASCAR the same way that 
that the NBA has gotten the attention of the world from a basketball perspective. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's only going to be just great for NASCAR down the run, down the line. Yeah. And, you know, football tried this and, you know, but football was mostly just confined to uh, guys that played here in the United States. They didn't have anybody that came from, you know, Germany or places like that, Scotland, when they, when they were playing football. But I think this is a great opportunity for some drivers because some of these drivers are the most talented drivers that you'll find anywhere in the world. Um, The only thing is you find a couple of these drivers that have come over that have set down like, um, uh, I'm, I'm thinking of uh, Raconan, who came over, I think, at the Circuit of the Americas race, and he sat in the car and he said, hmm, it's obviously a lot more, it's a lot tougher than I expected it to be. And meaning that, you know, NASCAR in and of itself, the whole concept is much more different than a Formula One car where everything is up on the steering wheel, per se, how you change gears and things like that to going to changing gears the old-fashioned way manually and then having to do some of these things. It's kind of like the way that old cars used to be from the beginning, but now with that modern next-generation car, um, it's changed a lot of things. And I think the perspective is is changing really quick with some of these foreign drivers that are wanting to make an impact in NASCAR and say, let's see what I can do over in America and see what we can we can get going i think that's what a lot of them are doing so let's talk about the road race in sonoma this past weekend martin truex jr with the win i did not get to watch the race um my this is the time of year for college baseball i'm heading out to omaha this weekend for uh the college world series you got a uva hat on uva will be out there tennessee will be out there uh held half the sec it seems like will be out there lsu and florida and uh more more you know it's it's going to be a great uh great time as far as that goes so um truex gets the win i'm reading ron okay so i want to get your opinion i'm reading that the race may have been a little boring because maybe the next gen card isn't translating well to road races because uh you know we're still kind of feeling our way through that that's what i'm reading tell me what you saw I, I think the same thing. Um, I'm kind of agreeing with this particular race at Sonoma. This is the second year for this car. Uh, but you know, there's still some, there's still some things that need to be worked out at, out of it. But of course, um, I can't say enough about Martin Truex coming back and winning his fourth Sonoma race. Uh, you know, it's his second race on the season, his fourth race, uh, there at Sonoma, but you know, this is a team that, Last year, nobody really were talking about the Toyotas. The Toyotas were, you know, lackluster last year. It was mostly Chevrolet of some Fords and things in that. And you had a couple of good performances from Toyota. But now it seems like Joe Gibbs was talking about this path from worst race last season to Sonoma being a win this past season. They've kind of gone like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers from worst to first almost. It's kind of the way they're turning things around. And, you know, it's more than anything else. I think Truex says, you know, too bad, you know, to be so bad last year at Sonoma and then to come back and do the same thing with practically the same car, it's really unbelievable. And he's so proud of his race team because they're having a great year so far. And he says he really feels good about this team. And that's unlike last year when they were getting on the radio with each other and they were, cursing with each other back and forth at different times and Truex just 
shutting down and not saying anything. Uh, it's been a big difference, but yeah, you're right. I think it was a little bit of a boring race. Uh, Denny Hamlin won the first stage and then, you know, Hamlin was out of it. Hamlin just did not finish the rest of the race. He had some bad luck happen to him. And then, uh, Kurt Busch or excuse me, Kyle Busch, he won the second stage. I actually thought Kyle Busch was going to make a run for the, uh, the checkered flag there at the end of the race, but he ended up being about close to two seconds, I think behind Martin Truex, but, uh, Still, you had some good performances out of some really great drivers. Chase Elliott, he managed to stay out on older tires during a caution, uh, stayed in the top 10. Matter of fact, it was Joey Logano in third, Chris Busher in fourth, Elliott fifth, A.J. Allmendinger sixth. I mentioned he might be one of those ringers to be able to go and pull something out for uh, colleague racing. He finishes sixth. Michael McDowell. Don't hear a whole lot from him, uh, especially on the ovals, but road courses, his thing. He finishes seventh. Then you had Kyle Larson eighth, Christopher Bell ninth, and then Ross Chastain finished in the top 10. So um, I think the big thing was the shuffle in the points. As quickly as, you know, William Byron and the lead and how everything has changed. Ryan Blaney, I think, took the lead there in the points there after his win at Charlotte. Now we've turned around and Martin Truex is leading the pack. And who would have thought that last year? And Truex was just trying to even make the playoffs as a possibility. So uh, we're seeing some, we're seeing some big changes right now. And especially with 11 or 10 races left to go before the playoffs start, uh, you know, Joe Gibbs racing could be tough to deal with. Uh, I think I mentioned it last year or last week. And a lot of people were kind of laughing at it. And they said, you know, start trembling in your boots. If Kyle Busch starts getting hot, well, look what he did. He won a stage and could have very well won this race. If they'd had a few more laps and had a little bit better car underneath them, but still they're making some, they're making some moves. And I think we've not seen the end of, uh, Kyle Busch, Richard Childress racing. We've definitely not seen the end yet of, uh, Joe Gibbs racing. If the reports as Mark Twain would say of his demise, yeah, they've been greatly exaggerated for Joe Gibbs Racing right now. And we got 10 different winners this year, 10, 10 drivers with at least one win. Uh, you mentioned Truex is at the top now of the standings. Uh, eight top ten, eight top tens this season, seven in his last nine races, two wins right. on the season. Uh, so he's on a hot streak. And Kyle Busch, I mean, he's he's in sixth in the points right now, but uh, you know, another second place finish for him. And Chase Elliott back from the suspension. He um uh, you know, he, he ran a good race for most of the day, but he's still, man, he's, he's still 27th in the points. All those races missed with the injury. Then he misses the race to the suspension. Um, that's a surprise, I mean, a surprise in a sense to see him down there, but, uh, he's got a lot of work to do if he wants to just make the playoff field this year. He does. And he knows also that he's going to have to stay quiet about a lot of things. I think yeah. some of the reporters were trying to, uh, egg him on a little bit more and, you know, talk about your suspension what the hell do you talk about during a suspension? I was out for a week. I mean, what do you tell people? I mean, I went fishing or I went playing tiddlywinks or something like that. <laughs> I mean, what did he do? I mean, he had to sit there and he had to wait to figure out what in the heck he's going to, you know, how he's going to attack the rest of this regular season with 10 or 11 races left to go, how he's going to get back into the top 10, how he's going to even contend for a playoff spot, how he's going to get a win out of it. Uh, yeah, I think the, you know, sometimes some of these guys kind of prod them, I think a little bit too far and chase Elliott's kind of uh, saying, okay, let's just, 
let's just go ahead and let my racing do the talking. And that's what he should be doing. I think that's more than anything else. They should take that kind of attitude and just say, Hey, I'm going to go out here on the track and I'm going to, I'm going to throw everything I've got out here on the track and see what I can do. But, you know, we reporters are a strange lot. We're looking for something else in the story, Chris, you know what I'm talking about. Uh-huh, uh-huh. We've had our, we've had our little talks about certain things and topics here over the last couple of weeks. And I know that you had one that was, uh, well, I guess resolved to a certain uh-huh. degree, yeah, resolved, yeah, yeah. but, uh, you know, still we we're kind of a weird lot. Some of us thank us, uh, they come to us and they thank us and pat us on the back and then they're ready to lynch us up. Like, you know, witches at the Salem witch trials or something when we don't do something right. So, I mean, it, it could be minute to minute do. as far as that goes too. That's right. That's <laughs> the way, that's the way that it's becoming, you know, I, well, I'm, I'm not going to get on the soapbox with this. <laughs> we'll just leave it at that. <laughs> Soapboxes can be good though. It can get you some things. Hey, this is a weird week. We don't have a race to preview on right. the, over the weekend. It's the, it's the time off, uh, in the schedule we've ended our fox tv schedule we'll start with nbc coming up on the 25th so hey we get to you know i, I say relax a little bit that's maybe more time to watch uh, college baseball this weekend as far as yeah. that goes yeah that'll give me a chance to maybe watch virginia a little bit more I, you know I've, I've been able to catch parts of you know virginia and duke playing and then i caught the highlights but uh I tell you, this college world series is going to be very interesting what did you say in there that sec packed Oh my gosh. Now, now you know why the SEC is the one that everybody wants to try to unseat when it comes to the big dollars and the big advertising dollars and things on, on that. But, you know, hey, uh, you got to give credit to Virginia getting into this thing. I I kind of had thought at one point, I don't know if Virginia's going to make it, get into the, uh, you know, even into this tournament round and so forth. But man, they've surprised me. And Tennessee is about the same way. I, I just thought Tennessee was going to fall apart there at one part of the season and so forth. But, uh, Tony Vitelli, he's got him, he's got him going in Knoxville. And I tell you, you don't want anybody else to fire up Tony Vitelli except for, you know, the play or the umpires one way or another, because he'll either get tossed by the umpires or he'll rally the troops to come back to a, you know, a big win. And gosh, we were talking before we got started on recording. There's the possibility in there, the way that the brackets are set up, Virginia and Tennessee could end up meeting each other. Depends on how everything else goes, but uh, it's going to be a really interesting college world series. Yeah, there's three SEC teams, the number two seed, Florida, the number five seed, LSU, uh, Tennessee, who upset the number four seed, Clemson in ACC school back in the first round, in the regional round. And then there are two ACCs, the number one seed, Wake Forest, and then Wake Forest, uh, is an interesting number one seed. They haven't been in the College World Series since 1955, um, but they've been really good the last several years. Finally broke through and got back to the back to Omaha, uh, and then Virginia, the number seven seed. And then uh, let's see, uh, the Big Twelve uh, has um, ECU in there. There is the upstart team from uh, the Summit League uh, in the form of Oral Roberts, who is probably the hottest team in all of baseball right now. They've won 22 of their last 23 games. And then wow. uh, the other the other national seed playing is from the Pac-12 uh, uh, in Stanford. So, you know, the Southeast, <laughs> where this is a NASCAR podcast, and five of, our, five of the teams of the eight teams out there in Omaha are either SEC or ACC. Uh, so not only is I know, you know, I know NASCAR is a national sport now, but it's still, a, it's still, I mean, we still claim it as a Southeast sport. Yeah. Um, 
And, and college baseball is pretty much as out of the sport as far as that goes, too. Right. I'm heading all the way to Omaha, Nebraska to watch a bunch of Southern teams play baseball. Yeah. Well, it's it's going to be fun. I, I'm I'm going to be glued to the set and watching it, and I'm glad you get to go to Omaha and see at least the first couple of rounds with this. And, man, you're going to be there. If Virginia wins, you're going to be there for a, a long haul. As long as they're winning, you're going to be there and stuff. So I could be uh, there for a couple of weeks. I may have to pay taxes. I'm going to be there so long, right? Oh, uh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah, and especially in Nebraska, maybe you could buy some land out there for a cornfield or something, you know, just have a cornfield for – uh, I don't know, journalists, where journalists could go and have that cornfield and have it, uh, you know, uh, the corn got every year at uh, the time fall rolls around where we could make a, at least a little bit of money. and so Some money right now. And I'm, I'm just across the river from Iowa, where, of course, the Field of Dreams is. So, I mean, yeah, there's, I could put, you know, put the cornfield up, uh, play some Field of Dreams baseball, and then, yeah, and then actually harvest the crop at the end of the year and make some money off of it. So, uh, no, it's uh, it should be a good time for me out there, and then I you know, don't miss any NASCAR this weekend. So, yeah. uh, as far as that goes, but we'll have Rod back on next week. Uh, even I'll be out in Omaha, uh, but we'll have Rod back on next week to get get us ready for the second half of the NASCAR season. So, um, well, Rod, as always, thank you for your time and your insight. Appreciate it, Chris. Thank you.